Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, good morning, church family. Thanks for having them clap ahead of time, Zach, just in case it goes downhill from here. But my name is TJ Clausen. I'm the youth director here at Lex City. Uh, my wife Tia and I uh, get the privilege of just investing in students here at Lex City, and we absolutely love it. Um, and so what I thought I'd do this morning is just as I get started, I just wanted to give you a little update about what we've been doing in youth this summer. Because this has really been a summer that our group has really, really needed. It's been a summer where we've finally been able to do things like camp and some of those big experiences again, and it's been so great for our group. And so to start off June, uh, we actually took a group of 52 of us down to Crossings Camp in Harding, Kentucky. We had a blast doing things like bazooka ball and high ropes course and the lake and the blob, and it was a ton of fun. Um, it was an amazing week where we really got to just grow as a group and really grow together. We looked at the life of Daniel and kind of looked at what are some spiritual disciplines and habits that we can develop to have a faith that's resilient. And then last week, some of you may have seen on social media, we just uh, got back from bringing a group of 11 of us who fundraised to go down to the Life Conference in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we joined 6,000 other high school students from our CMA family here in the States and even around the world and just got poured into by some amazing speakers. Uh, as a group, we got to stay at the world's largest Marriott. We went and did a day at Universal Studios together and really just got poured into for a week and it was so great for a bunch of our students that got to do that. And then when we've been on campus, we've been having a lot of fun here too. A few weeks ago, we hosted a theme night that was just called Prom Night. Um, and we just had fun, we dressed up, we got to hang out. And the summer's fun because we don't meet every single week for youth group. Um, and so when we do meet on campus, it's always fun just to get back together and have some themes and have a bunch of crazy fun. And so I share all this with you because I just wanted to thank you for just your guys' investment in the Next Gen Ministries here. You guys make this possible for us. And amidst all of the fun that we've been having, we've really seen students experience life change this summer. And being able to do things like camp and conferences again that we've just been missing have been so great for our group. And so I just wanted to celebrate that. And again, just thank you guys for supporting what we do here for the Next Gen. Okay, back to big church, as all of our students call this place. Um, Today I get to share with you, and I love any time I get to teach, whether it's students or whether it's adults, I just love the privilege. And I really have enjoyed this summer series because I'm really a big fan of just diving in to like one topic and just getting as much out of it as we can. And so it's been so fun to see all these different names of God and kind of see what they teach us about who he is and the picture that it gives us of who God is. And so, if you haven't been following along this summer, we've been going through different names of God each week and seeing what they teach us about God's character. Because names in the Bible have so much meaning to them, and they're so important. They're meant to really define a person. See, the meaning of someone's name was important because it was supposed to give you a first impression of somebody. Right, like when you meet someone in the Bible and you get their name, it's supposed to tell you as much about that person as it possibly can right off the bat. It's kind of like what uh, MySpace was used to do back in the day, okay? All right, there has never been a social media platform like MySpace when it comes to first impressions. All right, if, you weren't, if you're not a millennial, you probably didn't truly get to appreciate what MySpace was. So let me just remind you, okay? MySpace was the king of first impressions because when you would go to someone's MySpace page, you would not only see their profile picture that they wanted you to see, okay? You would also see their top eight friends 
Yes, Gen Z, we used to rank our friends publicly, all right, and it would change every week based on the drama that happened at school. But not only that, you could also pick your own background. And if you were tech savvy enough, you could code it so that your background would even like move as people scrolled down your page. It was so cool. But not just that, you could also force someone to listen to whatever song you wanted them to as they were on your MySpace page, okay? It was the king of first impressions. And so I tried to find, I couldn't find my original MySpace page from the early or the late 2000s. So I recreated it for you just to give you an idea, all right? This was my MySpace page. I loved my MySpace page, okay? It was the best first impression. That is the real picture that I used to have, all right? Mastered the mere selfie uh, for my MySpace page. And to give you a real taste, here's the song that you would have had to listen to when you got on to my MySpace page. Yes, it was so emo and I loved it, all right? And so, shout out to the Almost, if anyone even knows who they are, but this is what I was wanting my MySpace page to tell you. It was like, I am into Nebraska football, I am really into snowboarding, there was always some type of Winter X Games video on my MySpace page, because I thought everybody needed to see how cool snowboarding was. I wanted you to know who my top eight friends were, and I was loyal, okay? My friends did not move very often, and so I was really proud of that. If you made it in my eight, you were in. All right, I wanted people to know that like I was tech savvy enough that I could get my background to fill the whole page, not just this part. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I wanted people to know like my music taste is kind of unique and you probably don't know who a lot of my favorite bands are. And so that was my first impression. And the funny thing is that's still kind of the first impression I still give off today. Um, maybe if I had a MySpace page still, I'd have like some type of board game interactive on the bottom that was like vote for your favorite game or something. But that's basically what my first impression was in the late 2000s. And so I say all this because the point is this, that a MySpace page gave first impressions and names in the Bible give impressions. The same is true with the names of God. The names that we see God have in scripture carry with them impressions that we're supposed to learn about who he is. And so a couple weeks ago, I shared with you a name that I think a lot of you maybe hadn't heard before, this name Yahweh Nissi, the Lord is my flag. All right, I promise, it's cooler than it sounds. You can go back and look at it if you missed it. But this morning, I'm gonna do the opposite approach. I wanna look at a name that a lot of us have heard before, kind of one of those famous names of God that we continue to say. And so we're gonna look at Judges chapter six together as we get this name. So if you want all the message notes and all the scripture on your phone, just quickly, you can go to lexcity.info click message notes. But in Judges chapter six, we have this story between God and a guy named Gideon. So to set up this story in Judges chapter six, we see the Israelites are getting attacked again by our little Tuscan Raider friends, the Amalekites that I introduced you to a couple weeks ago. But now the Amalekites have partnered with another group of people called the Midianites, all right, who are partnered with and kind of intertwined with this group called the Ishmaelites. Okay, see what I mean? Like all these ites that are in the Bible, in this one story alone, we've got Amalekites, Ishmaelites, Midianites, Pizza Bites, all the ites, okay? You can use that joke every week, it always works. So here's what you need to know about the Midianites, okay? The Midianites, again, are this early nomadic tribe that makes their living off of caravan trading and raiding other people, or banditry, all right? 
And it was this group of the Midianites that actually Moses runs to, if you remember when he flees Egypt after killing an Egyptian, he goes to the Midianites, he actually marries a Midianite, and Moses even uses one of uh, his wife's brothers to be their guide through the wilderness as they go to the promised land. So these people are very intertwined, but we see this, that the relationships between the Midianites and the Israelites start to fracture and, or get frayed when the Midianites join forces with another group called the Moabites in order to curse Israel in Numbers 22. And so now we're a few generations later, and the Midianites and all of their allies are raiding Israelites for the last seven years. They come in every time they have a harvest, they take all their food, they take all their possessions, and so now in Judges 6, the Israelites are literally living in caves, trying to hide all of their remaining food and possessions from the Midianites. So the Israelites are here, they're starving, they're losing their land, and the Lord appears to this man named Gideon here in chapter six, and we're gonna start it in verse 12. This is what he says to him. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. And I love the honest response of Gideon, right? Like this angel just shows up, maybe even the Lord himself, depending on kind of how you interpret who the angel of the Lord is. And he says, Gideon, the Lord is with you. And Gideon literally answers with like, how? How is the Lord with me? We have no food. Our houses have been destroyed. Our land is gone. We are literally hiding for our lives. I've seen what it means. I've heard the stories of what it means when the Lord is with us, right? I heard from our ancestors, cloud by day, fire by night, manna on the ground, parting the Red Sea, victories in battle. I see none of that. Don't tell me that the Lord is with me. He says, in fact, that the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. You might feel that exact same way this morning. If I was to tell you, hey, the Lord is with you, if you were honest, you would think, how? How is the Lord with me? I've heard what it looks like when the Lord is with someone. I see no evidence of that in my life. Don't tell me the Lord is with me. See, here's Gideon, chaos is all around him. And from this setting, we get a name of God that reveals more of who he is. And here's the irony of the story, right? Gideon is hiding in a hole, sifting the last little bit of whatever food he has, hiding so that the Midianites don't find him. And this angel addresses him as mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Right, this is the irony of the story. Gideon is far from any type of mighty hero in this story, right? He's hiding. He is uh, just a regular guy from a tiny, insignificant family that's part of one of the insignificant tribes that just kind of lives on the northern part of Israel. He's just feeling like a regular victim of the chaos that's affecting this nation. And the angel of the Lord calls him this warrior and then says in verse 14, says, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites, for I'm sending you. And so then the Gideon begins to question the angel and he says, okay, give me a sign. Is this really God who's talking to me? And the angel gives him this sign of burning up this offering with fire and God, or Gideon realizes it is God who's calling him to face this chaos. And so in verse 22, we'll end it, it says this. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, 
Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid, you will not die. Verse 24, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and he named it Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And the altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Ebiezer to this day. So Gideon has this crazy experience with God and this angel, and at the end of it all, he builds an altar and names it and calls God Jehovah Shalom. So again, we have this, another compact name or a compound name of God. This is one of the cool things about Hebrew language that I love, is you can just throw extra words onto the end of a name and it still counts as a name. Like that's just how they do names. And so here we have this name that Gideon gives God that we still maybe are familiar with and even use today of Jehovah Shalom. So what is the first impression that we're supposed to get from God when we learn that his name is Jehovah Shalom? Let me break it down for you again really quick this morning, all right? It's two parts. You starts with the word Jehovah, right, or Yahweh. Same word, just two different ways to say it. it. means I am. This is where God, the word he uses to give us his name in Exodus earlier. He says, I am. And then the second word is shalom, which we often just define as peace. But there's actually a lot of different nuances in this word for shalom. It can be used to mean being whole, intact, prosperity, or peace. So today, we're gonna look at this popular name, Jehovah Shalom, God is peace. But what exactly does that mean? If a name is giving us an impression of someone, what is the impression or the thing we're supposed to know about God from this name, God is peace? I think we have to understand what we mean by peace, right? Because I think there are a lot of different terms or understandings that we have when we hear that word peace. Some of you, when you hear peace, the thing that first pops in your mind is like a break from a conflict, maybe breaking up a war, having peace, kind of like a truce, kind of like this break or this, um, this halting of some type of conflict. Others of you, when I say peace, maybe you just think peace is the opposite or the absence of any type of conflict, right? Like you have to have zero conflict and then you have peace. Others, maybe peace to you is more like a mindset, right? It's kind of like hippie peace, right? Like we've got peace and love, all is good, good vibes only. Like peace is a mindset. It's a way of life that you have. Or even still, some of you, maybe parents, you're like, peace is just quiet, alone time in a room by myself, right? And so there's all these different ways that we understand what peace is. So if we're going to say that God is peace, we have to know what we mean by that. Specifically, this word shalom, what is it telling us about peace? Because I think a lot of times, our most common understanding of peace is kind of just really thinking of it as being a pause in conflict, right? Bringing an end to conflict. It's kind of like, uh, it reminds me of a really famous story that I always found very interesting in history class. It was the Christmas truce of 1914. In World War I, the weeks leading up to Christmas, the Germans and the British were at a stalemate in trench warfare um, for weeks, no one being able to gain any ground. And as it got closer to Christmas, some of the soldiers at night would start to sing Christmas carols from their trench. And after a few nights, the enemy actually started singing Christmas carols from their trenches on their side. And it went on for a few days and then eventually some brave German soldiers actually come out and walk into no man's land yelling Merry Christmas. And some other British soldiers decide to get out and they go meet them in the middle of no man's land and they actually exchange gifts and have this little Christmas. And both 
both armies eventually declare a temporary truce and the entire armies come out into no man's land. They even play soccer against each other. Like it's just this amazing moment, right? But do you know what's sad about the Christmas truce? Is that just a few days later, the war starts back up and these same people go back to shooting and killing each other. And so we hear that God is peace and we think, okay, that must be like God, being with God is like being in the Christmas truce forever, right? Like being with God means you get to live in that photo forever. It never changes. But there's actually so much more to this name than just a break from conflict. See, the word peace, specifically the word shalom, goes deeper than just a lack of conference, a lack of conflict or just being calm. This word carries with it the nuance of wholeness and prosperity. See, peace is not taking away chaos. It's actually bringing in the wholeness of God. See, we have life, and life is full of chaos. Life is full of things that are going wrong, so many things that we want fixed. And we think, God, if you could just take out these things, if you could just pick these things up or even just put a pause on them for a little bit, then I would have peace. The reality is what true peace is, it's not God taking things away. It's actually bringing God into the things that we're facing. See, peace is not a subtraction equation. Peace is actually an addition equation. What I mean is this, is God's peace is the ordering slash purposing of chaos. That's what peace is. It's the ordering or the purposing of chaos. Chaos is when everything is broken apart and dangerous and crazy. Shalom is whole, intact, prosperous. You know, the first example we see of God's peace is actually all the way back in creation. Think of creation, what does creation start with? It starts with God beginning with water and darkness. What are the two most chaotic, unuseful things for human beings? Darkness and the ocean, right? We are helpless in the dark. We are lost when we are walking around in darkness. We can't see, right? And what is the ocean but dangerous and chaotic for human beings? My best friend lives in California, um, and so every summer my wife and I go out there to visit him and his wife, and we love just hanging out, going to the beach, surfing, playing in waves. But here's the thing, every time, after like 30 to 40 minutes, I will come back and I already have a headache, right? And I'm sitting on the beach and like I feel like I'm still moving for like another hour. Why? Because the ocean is chaos for a human being. But this is where God starts creation. He starts it with these things but then what does he do? He creates light and he creates land. He literally creates peace out of the chaos for us to live in. This is the kind of peace that we're talking about. Creation is a visual example of what God's peace is, a wholeness, a safety, a protection that God brings to our lives. Not an absence from chaos, but an ordering from God. See, we think of peace a lot of times as just a pause in or an absence of conflict. But if that's all we think of peace to be, then this God of peace really isn't that life-changing of a name, right? Sure, uh, he can put a pause on our struggles for times, if that's our understanding, but that's really not that much of a help. Or maybe even if we think God can just take some of these things out so I don't have this chaos, the reality is it just leaves space for more things to be filled in that cause chaos, right? We don't need him to take things out. We need God to step in 
and bring a wholeness to our situation. See, peace is more than just pausing a conflict. Shalom is less like a truce in a war and more like the image that we get from creation. It's bringing wholeness, stability, life, blessing, and perfection to our lives. That's what Jehovah Shalom means, that this is what God wants to bring to our lives. So why is this name important? Right, it's because Jehovah Shalom should comfort us when things feel chaotic. Right? This name Jehovah Shalom, it's a comfort to us when things feel chaotic, when we feel like Gideon and think God is not with us because he hasn't taken the chaos out of my situation. See, a lot of times we think Jehovah Shalom means the God of taking away our problems. No, it's the opposite. Jehovah Shalom is the God who steps into our chaos and orders it. Jehovah Shalom makes whole things that were broken. He steps into situations, he steps into emotions, he steps into sickness, into chaos, even into our pain, and he can bring peace. And so does your life feel out of control? God can bring peace to that if you'll just connect with him. Does your family situation feel chaotic? God can bring peace to that if you'll just connect with him. Are you stressed about what you're supposed to do with your life, where you're supposed to go with your future? God can bring peace to those decisions if you'll just connect with them. Are you trying to figure out how do I change this behavior that I know I need to change and it's so hard to fight? God can bring peace into that situation if you'll just connect with them. You know the best way to find peace in your life? Get closer to God because he is peace, it is his name. And it's not just the pause in something that's going wrong. It's not just a truce. Peace is God creating stability and life and joy and comfort in your life. See, worshiping and having a relationship with the God of peace doesn't mean you get this permanent truce that nothing can now ever attack you and that nothing can get into your life. No, the promise is that instead God will make your life whole that your life will have a purpose and will have a meaning and ultimately there's something even greater after this life which is eternal peace with God in heaven. So I think if we're honest, we're looking for the wrong type of peace, right? We're looking for God to take away the chaos in our lives, not to step in and bring wholeness to it. And you guys might think, well, what's the difference? But the reality is it's a different orientation, right? One of them is saying, God, please just take away this stuff. Put a pause on these things so I can just breathe and have a moment. The other says, no, God, I need you to step into this situation. Bring yourself into this situation because I need your wholeness. I need your ordering. I need your purpose for these things. Which means this, that the elements of the chaos are still there but they're not chaos anymore. They're ordered, they're purpose. You see what God is doing. That sounds great, but how do we do that? Here's the thing. All right, with this one, I don't have three easy steps for you to just get better at having peace in your life, all right? Because the reality is this is something that's, it's a perspective change. It's a spiritual maturity thing. It's understanding how to have a relationship with God. How do you find peace? You do this, you connect with and trust the heart of God. Connect with and trust the heart of God. Do you have a relationship with the God of peace that you are connected with him? Do you pray and do you talk to God about the things that you're struggling with? Not just, hey God, will you always just take this away, but actually saying, God, will you step into this? I need you in this with me if I'm gonna get through this. 
Do you feel that presence of him? Do you feel like you have a purpose for your life? If you want peace, you have to connect with God. Your answer for the things you're looking for are in this book. Your answers for what you need are in your time of prayer. Your answers are in your community with other believers. God is here to give us peace if we would just take time and connect with him. But then you also have to trust his heart, right? Do you know why things feel chaotic? Because we don't have control over them, right? And so can you trust that God is in control of the things that you can't control? Be faithful, be obedient, do as much as you can do, but then trust God with the things that you can't have control over, the things that are out of your control. See, experiencing peace is so simple, and yet it's so hard, because it's learning to connect with and trust the heart of God. See, God gives us creation and says, look what I created for you out of the chaos. Do you not think that there is something so chaotic in your life that I'm not gonna be able to bring peace and bring order and bring perfection into it? He says, I am the God of peace. I bring wholeness and goodness and perfection to things that are not. I don't just put a pause on your struggle. That's not true peace. I step in and I will bring wholeness to your struggles. See, this name Jehovah Shalom it's really a surrender cry from our hearts, right? It's a name that actually comes from us. It's us saying, God, I need your peace. I give up, I trust your plan. And the peace that comes for us is the weight that's lifted off of our shoulders knowing that we can trust God to bring purpose, to bring wholeness, to bring a purpose to our lives, which is better than just a pause or even taking away of the things that are hard. Now, I don't stand up here to yell at you, stop complaining, stop thinking things are hard and just trust more. Okay, that's not what my goal is. My goal is actually the opposite. My goal is to encourage you, the chaos is not going away. But you have something better. You have a God who promises to step into that chaos with you. That he will bring order, that he will bring purpose, that he will bring wholeness to your situations. What we get to do is we get to cry out Jehovah Shalom and have the God of peace step into our chaos. So if you're trying to get better at having peace and you're trying to work harder at having peace, you're doing the wrong thing. It's actually the opposite. It's working less, it's surrendering more. It's saying, God, I have done all I can. I need you to step in. That's what peace is. Peace is knowing you've done all you can and now it's in God's hands. Jehovah Shalom is a promise that God will bring wholeness into your chaos. He can bring a purpose and order to your situations, to your emotions, to your afflictions, to your situations, even to the pain that we face. And friends, I know this is, it's a hard thing to explain, but I promise to you it is so true. When you get to the point where you can connect with and trust God's heart, you will find a peace that changes everything. I've been fortunate even in my own life, the, the things that I've had to walk through, the struggles I've had to walk through, I've been able to look back and see how God has purposed them, how God has used them for his glory. And here's the reality, I know there are gonna be many things in the future that I'm gonna have to walk through. They're not gonna be easy, they're not gonna be fun, but I already have peace about them because I know that I have a relationship with the God of peace. 
creation, examples in scripture, my own life experiences already remind me when I am stressed, when I feel like things are chaotic, I cry out, Jehovah Shalom, my God is peace. So here's what I wanna do this morning. I'm gonna pray, and then I've asked our band just to come up and lead us in one more song, and I just want us to take a moment and just have a chance to cry out, Jehovah Shalom. Here's what I wanna ask you to reflect on during this song. Have you asked God to step in and bring purpose and organizing to your situation, not just take away your struggles? Can you connect with and trust the heart of God in your situation? Can you pray, God, ask me how to trust you? God, show me what you're going to bring out of this. God, show me your purpose through this. Show me how you are making your glory known through what I'm going through for others. God, show me how you're gonna make this whole. Right, asking God, I'm not asking you to take things out, I'm asking you to step in. Because that's what the God of peace promises to do for us. So let me pray and then we're gonna just close with the time of worship and reflecting. Jehovah Shalom, thank you for the truth of your word. God, we are guilty at times of asking for relief, not peace. God, in the midst of our chaos, we ask that you would step in. Help us connect with and trust your heart in our situations. God, your name reminds us that you bring wholeness into any situation. Jehovah Shalom, we love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.